podcast that I, me, Kifa, is starting. It's called <laughs> Kifa Yells at People. And I'm, today, the person I'm yelling at is... My name is Jaina. And who are you? I'm your little sister. All right. Very little. Such a tiny little scrub baby poo-poo baby. Wow. Okay. Great. <laughs> hey, Jaina. What? How are you doing amidst the global pandemic right now? I'm kind of bored, and I miss my friends. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, well, if you're bored, then allow me to enlighten you on some video game lore, because I know you're a big fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today, I want to talk to you about the lore of two different Metroidvania games, because okay. I think you'll find it interesting of, of lore-wise. The two games we're going to be talking about are Blasphemous and Hollow Knight. Of those two, which one do you want to hear first? I'll leave it up to you, actually. Um, Excuse me while I take some medication. <laughs> uh, I'll hear about Hollow Knight, since that's the one I've played, like, half an hour of. Okay. Fair warning. It's not really spoilers, because I know you, and I know you're not going to read all of the lore stuff in the game. That's and a lot of the, true. a lot of the lore stuff is very esoteric, and like you have to infer a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> the story of Hollow Knight begins significantly before the events of the actual game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as I'm sure you're aware, the game takes place in an underground like cavern system called Hollow Nest. Yeah. Okay. Before, long before the events of Hollow Knight, Hollow Nest is a place inhabited by a couple different groups of bugs with their own like cultures and societies and like gods and beliefs and things like that. Yeah. Um, I believe the species that are there are they're the generic kind of like beetle type bugs. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, they don't have any real intelligence or society. They're kind of just animals, basically. You know, they just go about living their lives like any regular beetle would in real life yeah Um, they don't they don't have any intelligence uh there are also and as far as i'm aware they don't have any god that they worship um Mm. then there are the mushroom people who are a bunch of sentient mushrooms yeah uh, and they're all weirdos (laughs) (laughs) um and they worship a big mushroom god who created them slash is their god in this universe like pretty much every type of being is created by a god and then that god gets power by the people it created worshiping it okay does that make sense okay yeah so regular beetles mushroom people and the mushroom god there are also uh the moss people in a place called green path who Mm -hmm. worship uh a giant snail god named Un or Un. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. Yeah. Then there are um, there are the mantids who are like a race of warrior mantis people, mm-hmm. and the mantids actually have a pretty advanced society compared to like the other bugs and like a code of ethics and whatnot. As far as I can tell, they don't worship any god either. They're just kind of their own thing. Okay. Um. There are also the the weavers who live in a place called Deep Nest, which is like the lower bits of of the greater Hollow Nest area. Uh-huh. Um, the weavers are like kind of spider type creatures, um, and they 
again, don't really have a god, I don't believe. They do have a leader and, like, somewhat of a society, but not as advanced as the Mantids. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last one, and one of the most important ones, are the Moth People. The okay. Moth People are, like, a really deeply religious uh, race who were created by a deity, slash worship a deity known as the Radiance, mm-hmm. who's, like, this giant light-based moth god creature. Yeah. Okay, so does that make sense? Yes, it's weird, but it makes sense. Okay, so that is that is the state of Hollow Nest long before the events of Hollow Knight. Yeah. And trust me, I will let you know when the actual events of Hollow Knight, of Hollow Knight start, because it's not for a while. Okay. So Hollow Nest just kind of exists in this scattered, multiple different societies, uh, until one day... A being or a creature known as a worm comes, and not W O R M, W Y R M. Okay. And worms are like these giant, they're basically just giant worms. <laughs> it's hard to, they're giant worms, but they're, they're like on their front, they have a bunch of like really big spikes coming out of the front of their body so they can like burrow. Okay. And, it, there's not a lot that's made very clear about worms in the Hollow Knight lore. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell from what I've researched and read in the game, it seems like in the world of Hollow Knight, gods or deities are known as higher beings. Yeah. Uh, that's just a term. Like, I think you saw that in the quote at the beginning. It, there's like a thing the mm-hmm. Hollow Knight reads, or the, uh, not the Hollow Knight, the Knight, because the character you play as is referred to as the Knight. Um, that they read that says something like higher beings, these words are for you alone or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So higher beings are what like they use just to say gods basically, but Mm -hmm. worms are what's known as pale beings and pale beings are above higher beings in like power or stature essentially. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so worms are like really powerful, basically, and have a lot of, I don't know, they're just powerful. <laughs> they're like, they're yeah. elevated above the level of a god, basically. Um, and worms, like most higher beings will create societies to worship them so they can get power. But worms are different. Worms go around looking for societies that have already been established, and then they essentially establish themselves within those societies as the new god in order to further the development of those societies if that makes sense yeah i'm I'm just laughing because mom came into my room and just stood there for a couple seconds and was like are you recording and i nodded and she just slowly walked away perfect okay (laughs) does that so are you following still yeah so this worm just goes around and eventually Wait, did the finds... worm have a name i forgot i'll get to that okay um <laughs> this not not at this point in the story the worm okay. goes around and eventually finds hollow nest and like the moment the worm makes it to hollow nest the worm either like metamorphosizes or slash dies and is reborn into a different form mm-hmm. um so because like in the game there's a spot in the in the world where you find just the corpse of the giant worm and because of that that's because this worm 
shed like the giant worm body and then was reborn into a much smaller body that mm-hmm. kind of looks like your character in Hollow Knight, except it's got like it wears like a gray robe and has four big spikes coming out of its head, which look yeah. like the spikes that come out of the head of the the big worm form. Uh-huh. So the worm is reborn into this much smaller form. And at this point, now I don't have to say the worm because <laughs> they start getting referred to as the Pale King. Okay. And the Pale King basically starts going around Hallow Nest and creating a kingdom of all the different scattered creatures and societies that are around Hallow Nest. Mm-hmm. So like the generic beetle bugs are pretty quick to like join him. Uh, the moss people join him. The mushroom people join him. The mantids are interesting because the mantids are kind of like a prideful race and they don't want to join the Pale King's kingdom. Yeah. So they, they decline, but they end up reaching a, like a treaty with uh, the Pale King and the rest of Hallow Nest because... The weavers and the bugs in Deep Nest do not want to be a part of of Hallow Nest whatsoever. And in fact, they're openly hostile towards yeah. the Pale King and his people. So because the mant because the way it works is that like the Mantid's territory is between the Pale King's territory and Deep Nest, mm-hmm. the Pale King and the Mantids reach an agreement that like the Mantids can stay independent and have their own society and hollow nest will like help them out with resources and stuff as long as they help defend hollow nest from the attacks from deep nest okay does that make sense yes you still following yeah getting too complicated yet no okay so you may have noticed that i left out one of the races of people did you yes okay the moth people. oh yeah the ones that shoot Goop at you. you have to. Is those the ones you're talking about? Are no. those like the lightning bug people? No, those are just bugs. Those are just like oh, flies. Okay. No, you haven't. You probably haven't met the moth people yet. And or there's only one moth person who's still alive at the point in the story when okay. you uh, are playing. But the moth people I didn't mention because they're important. Um, they actually, when the pale king gets there more so than any other race, they just completely devote themselves to the Pale King. Okay. So much to the point where they actually stop worshipping the Radiance and almost completely forget about her. Mm-hmm. And this does not go over well with the Radiance. She is not happy about it. Um, but she doesn't really have any power anymore because they've stopped worshipping her, so she can't really do anything about it. Okay. Um, that being said, she doesn't ever completely die because um, the moth people built a giant statue of the Radiance that sits on a cliff above Hallow Nest. Yeah. And so that as long as like that statue is there, like she's always somewhat in the back of the minds of some of the people in Hallow Nest. So she never completely goes away. Okay. So keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. You remember that? All right. Yeah. Angry moth god lady. Yes. Okay. So once everything is settled, things are pretty peaceful in Hollow Nest for a while. In fact, the Pale King, like the the beetles and stuff, who were just animals, start having intelligence and creating art and commerce and things like that. And the society develops and blooms, and there's culture and whatnot, and things are good for a real long time. Okay. 
um, things are good until eventually one day some bugs start having things where like their eyes start like glow they, they'll like fall asleep and then wake up and their eyes are like glowing orange and they'll have like weird orange glowing goop that's on them sometimes okay <laughs> are you still glowing? yeah and when these bugs like are infected by whatever this goop is they revert back to what they were before the pale king got there so just mindless animals okay and they'll start, they start like attacking all of the other bugs in Hallow Nest. Mm-hmm. And it's not entirely clear what's going on at first, but it eventually is discovered that this is the radiance is doing. Oh. And the radiance, it turns out, exists in within like the dream world. Okay. And so when these bugs fall asleep, the radiance is infecting them and it turns out that the radiance is like a hive mind creature Mm -hmm. so do you know what a hive mind is uh like the the what's it called the like leader infects everyone else and then they have to do what the like they all do the same thing which is not that's not i'm I'm explaining it terribly in my head i know what it is but i can't explain it (laughs) I mean, the closest, there is no such thing as a true, like, hive mind in real life, but ants are kind of, like, the closest to an actual hive mind. Mm-hmm. The idea of a hive mind is, like, one being that's con- whose consciousness is spread across multiple different bodies. Okay. So it's different physical bodies all sharing one single mind. Mm-hmm. So the radiance is taking over these creatures and infecting them, and then they are becoming part of the radiance's hive mind. Okay. And the Radiance is trying to, like, retake over all of Hallowness because she she blames the Pale King for, like, taking them off people away from her. Mm-hmm. And this is bad, obviously. It's a threat yeah. to the Pale King's kingdom. And, like, he brought, a, but, like, a really, uh, like, a good thing to Hallowness by giving those bugs intelligence and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they try fighting off the infection from uh, the Radiance, and it's just not going well. Yeah. It's it's going bad. A lot of bugs are dying. A lot of bugs are getting infected. And the P- Pale King is trying to figure out what to do. And that, that is until he finds a place known as the Abyss. Okay. Located way deep in Hallow Nest, even beneath Deep Nest. And in this place called the Abyss, the, K- the Pale King finds this sort of goopy black substance known as Void. Mm-hmm. And... I'll talk more about Void later because it's still not entirely clear again what Void is or maybe what it was. Okay. <laughs> um, but the Pale King finds this Void and starts doing experiments with it. And he, like him personally. Yeah. Um, and he, after a while, discovers that he has the ability to give this void shape is what it's referred to as mm-hmm. and more specifically the pale king is able to create beings made out like made from void okay and um so the pale king initially like is like sweet that means i can make a big army <laughs> to fight the radiance of yeah. void creatures and not have to have my citizens die so he tries that and makes a bunch of void creatures and like void guards for him and his it castle doesn't work does it fails terribly yeah 
it, it just does not work. Um, the Radiance is still stronger and is able to defeat all of the Void creatures. So the Pale King is like, well, great. I got to come up with a new plan. So he does more research into Void, and he comes up with this idea. Yeah. Um, since the Radiance exists in the dream world, right? Yeah. The Radiance, the way that the Radiance is able to come out into the real world is due to the fact that there are beings with like hopes and dreams and things like that. Yeah. So when they, because when they fall asleep, it, that provides a bridge for the Radiance to like pass over some of her being into the real world. Yeah. So the Pale King comes up with this idea of creating a, a, what's known as a pure vessel is what it's referred to as. Okay. And the idea of this pure vessel is a being that has no thoughts, no feelings, no emotions, no dreams, no hopes, no desires, nothing. Okay. It is just a thing that exists basically. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like it has no, Know what? You cut out. Hello? Still there? Sorry, I just got yeah. a phone call. Oh, <laughs> okay. It cut me off. That was stupid. Um, mm. So, he's going to try and create a being known as the Vessel. And he mm -hmm. tries multiple different methods of how to create this being uh, that will be a perfect vessel and they all fail. Okay. And that is until uh, the Pale King has Hello? <sighs> they called again. I don't know. Who is calling you? Is it the same person? Just yeah, block, block their them. number. Give me a second. Okay. Hello? You just called me like three times. Yes, but we paused for a second because some random number keeps calling people. What do you need? <laughs> yeah, that seems like a typical book for a That's really important, Mom. Girl. Thank you. Hmm. Keep says that's really important. Thank you. Hi, We're recording. Mom go away. says hi. Love you. He says go away. <laughs> All right. Attempt number three at explaining this. Okay. The Pale King has a wife. And his okay. wife is a being known as the Pale Lady. Very yes. creative. Uh, but, she, but she's also a pale being. And there's not really yeah. a lot that's known about her, even less than the Pale King. Like, no one knows what being she is or, like, if she's a worm or, like, where she came from. She's just kind of there. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, this giant creature. Like, she's part animal, part plant, because she's, like, rooted into the ground in this place known as the Queen's Gardens. And yeah. she's weird. <laughs> but... Okay. The Pale King 
and the Pale Queen reach this agreement that basically they are just going to breed like crazy. <laughs> and <All right. laughs> the Pale Queen gives birth to these eggs. And what they do with these eggs is they take them and they drop them into the abyss, just into the giant pool of void that's down there. Good yes. parenting. And so what happens is these <laughs> eggs then hatch in the abyss and like these are creatures when they're born they don't have any like soul for whatever reason and so the void fills these vessel these like empty bodies and creates uh creatures which later in the game uh you'll meet them and they're known as siblings um okay of, or ve just vessels if you want to call them that um, they're, they're called siblings due to their relation to the knight in the game. And okay. the idea seems to be that the Pale King believes whichever of these vessels is able to climb out from, this, from the abyss to the top first is going to be the one that is the pure vessel and has no thoughts, no feelings, no anything. Um, okay. So they end up basically creating and subsequently murdering thousands of these vessels. Thousands right. of dead Great. children, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and, because all of these vessels are born and then try and climb up and fall and die, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And that happens over and over and over again for a really unspecific long period of time. And until one day a creature, one of these vessels, makes its way up to the top. And this mm -hmm. is a character known as the titular Hollow Knight. This is, okay. this is the creature that becomes, the vessel that becomes known as the Hollow Knight. And the king, the Pale King, like, sees the Hollow Knight made it to the top and, like, you know, takes him out of the abyss to go train him to end up becoming, like strong enough the whole goal is basically that like the the hollow knight or the you know whoever is the pure vessel will fight the rate will like go into the dream world and fight the radiance and then absorb mm. the radiance into themselves and because there are okay. beings no thoughts or feelings or dreams or emotions the radiance won't be able to escape out of that being mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah. yeah. So the Hollow Knight makes it to the top and the Pale King's like, sweet, let's go. <laughs> come on, come on, my child. <laughs> and they leave. Yeah. And as they're leaving, the Hollow Knight is, is walking out, but he hears a noise and like turns and looks behind him and hanging onto the ledge of this thing is another one of the vessels. And, oh. the, and it's you. It is the character you play as called the Knight. Not the Hollow Knight, just mm. the Knight. And you're hanging okay. there, looking, and the Hollow Knight looks back at you and then just walks out of the room. And this is all something mm. that happens in, like, a flashback thing that you can unlock if you go into, like, a dream thing in the game. It's weird. Um, but this scene implies that, like, if the Hollow Knight was truly the pure vessel, they would not yeah. have looked back at you they would have yeah. kept going. So this implies that the Hollow Knight wasn't a perfect vessel. Um, mm. 
And maybe the knight, the character you play as, is. Because you made mm-hmm. it to the top as well, just slightly after the Hollow Knight. So, yeah. this is where things get kind of weird. Um, the Hollow Knight and the, the Pale King go away to train up the Hollow Knight to fight the, the Radiance. And it's not entirely yeah. clear how, but the knight, your character, just kind of leaves, like, he, he makes it out of the abyss on his own and just kind mm-hmm. of leaves Hallow Nest entirely. Um, and okay. we don't, it's not, no one really knows what the knight does in the time period after leaving Hallow Nest and coming back at the beginning of the game. You, mm-hmm. He's just, they're just kind of gone. <laughs> And it it might just be that the knight just wandered for a really long time because the knight probably was like, well, the, you know, I'm not the pure vessel. This other one was there, or I guess they couldn't even think that, (laughs) you know, so the knight wandered (laughs) because it had no purpose and the purpose it was supposed to fulfill had already been met supposedly. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what happens. And then the Pale King trains up the Hollow Knight, and the Hollow Knight becomes this big, like, creature, and um, it basically just looks like itself, but bigger. (laughs) It's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually, the Hollow Knight goes and fights and absorbs the Radiance successfully. And things are are good for a bit. Yeah, things are good for a bit, until the infection comes back again. Oh, great. Because it is revealed, obviously, at this point, that clearly the Hollow Knight was not a pure vessel. Okay. It's revealed, like, to the wider public. Now, at this point, it's not entirely clear, but by the time it comes back after the Hollow Knight absorbs the Radiance, I think the Pale King is dead at this point. Okay. He just kind of dies at some point (laughs) of old age or something. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure why, um, but yeah, he he just kind of dies, and that is when these three creatures known as uh, the Dreamers uh, are, are in charge of Hallow Nest after the Pale King dies. They were like three, just like people who would give the the Pale King advice and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I think at this point, somewhere along the line, the Weavers in Deep Nest did join Hallow Nest, but it's not really, I don't think it's clear how or why they did. And so, okay. um, oh no, the Pale King was still alive. Yeah, he was still alive. Okay, sorry about that. He didn't die yet. <laughs> um, the Pale King was still alive. And these three advisors come up with a plan that they are going to sacrifice themselves and put their minds into the dream world to like basically make a see a big seal on the hollow knight to stop the infection from getting out anymore um and they come up with this plan and one of the the dreamers is from is from deep nest like it's the leader of the the weaver the spider people Mm. and she i have a feeling this isn't gonna work well, she she has a stipulation. Like, if she's going to go through with this plan, then she wants something from the Pale King in return. Mm. And the what she does is she says, you have to have a kid with me, Pale King, or I won't do this. <laughs> so the Pale King is like, sure, fine, whatever. And they have a kid, and this is a character known as Hornet. 
Hornet mm. is a very major character. In fact, she's actually going to be the protagonist of the upcoming sequel to Hollow Knight that's being made right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks like the vessels do, because the vessels all look like your character, the knight, except with like different shaped heads. Um, okay. She sort of looks like the vessels, except she's a bit taller. Her head's kind of more pointy, and she wears like a <laughs> pinkish red dress. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and like your character, you know how he has a weapon that's like a sword, but it's called a nail? Yeah. Uh, uh, Hornet has one of those, except her nail has like, because she was is half a beaver, it has like a string on the end of it, and she can use string as a weapon also. Okay. Or like spider silk basically is what it is. But she's not a spider. She looks like a vessel, um, but just slightly taller. So Hornet's born and begins being raised by the weavers. And so these three dreamers go through with the plan, create a seal on the Hollow Knight, and it works for a bit. (laughs) But not forever. Seems like a running theme. Yeah, as all of these plans uh, have been temporary solutions. I think what ends up happening after that is that, again, the radiance starts seeping out again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that as the radiance starts seeping out, it gets to a point where the radiance eventually overtakes pretty much all of Hallow Nest, except okay. for um, the, the Mantis people. For whatever reason, the Mantis people <laughs> are like the only ones who manage to um, survive this. Oh, and like, the deities like Un and the Pale Lady uh, are not affected. Okay. Because they're, they're higher beings, so the Radiance can't really take them over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to think of what happens. Yeah, so the Radiance takes over more and more of Hallow Nest until the point where I think, I think the Pale King, like the other deities, is like he has to be worshipped or followed to be alive or to have power. And I think it just gets to a point where the the radiance has taken over so much of Hallow Nest that the Pale King just dies because he doesn't have any people following him left or enough people following him left. Yeah. All right. Are you following still? Yeah. This is where the events of the game actually begin. All of that was before the game even happens. All right, then. <laughs> so <laughs> somehow... The knight, your character, realizes that um, the stuff is not good in Hollow Nest, and that mm-hmm. you have to go and try. And, that's your whole purpose is to absorb the radiance. All of the vessels that was their purpose to absorb the radiance. So you mm-hmm. got to go back to Hollow Nest and open the seal and defeat the Hollow Knight, and then absorb the radiance into yourself, and then seal yourself into that seal to, <laughs> because you are the real pure vessel and so yeah. hollow nest can be saved <laughs> you still following okay. so yeah um basically the events of the game go on like you go around hollow nest collecting artifacts and and releasing the three seals you run into hornet a couple times and fight her a couple times but then become friends with her um mm-hmm. until you open the seal and you go into the what's referred to as the black egg and fight the hollow knight and the fight with the hollow knight is weird <laughs> it is like really weird because okay. um like you're fighting the hollow knight um 
and like it's weird because you go in there into the egg and the hollow knight's chained up and he doesn't try and fight you initially and okay. the hollow knight like does not want to fight you because he's trying to fight and to against the radiance still and so mm-hmm. because the hollow knight has been infected by the radiance for like a really long time but the hollow knight's still a really strong being and yeah. so uh, like the hollow knight does is trying to fight against that and so you you fight the hollow you break the chains and the hollow knight attacks you because he can't control himself and then like the second phase of the it's weird because like the first phase of the boss fight is really like intense and there's epic music you know and it's Mm. high stakes and whatnot and i think something i mentioned to you in hollow knight is that um each boss you know has like their attack phase and then they'll get knocked down for a little bit and you have the choice to either heal yourself or start attacking the boss more to try and get more damage yeah so the Hollow Knight has none of those phases in the beginning, if I remember correctly. He just does not get knocked down, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and once the boss enters like his his second att- phase, you know, where he gets stronger. Yeah. The, the phase, like, what happens is that from his chest, a bunch of like bubbles of radiance goo just burst out, and he his attacks become way more chaotic and and violent uh-huh. like there's an attack once the radiance is bursting out of his bubbles or bursting out of his chest where he just like ragdolls and the radiance is like uh, because of what the radiance is doing he just just like floating up in the air and like slamming his body is being like slammed around trying to crush you while the the, the knight is just completely like helpless to do anything but fun. what's really weird yeah is it kind of like shocked me when i first saw it because it's really the game's rated t and it's pretty dark yeah um the knight still doesn't want to fight you so this the phases where they get knocked down and you can attack them more what happens is actually the knight like gets knocked back but then he regains control of himself uh-huh. and he just starts stabbing himself repeatedly in the chest what? with his own nail because he's trying to kill himself so you can absorb the radiance because he can't do it. And the music That's is like really sad and, and tragic. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's really sad and depressing because the knight's like still trying to defeat the radiance even though he like can't control himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually you defeat the radiance or you defeat the hollow knight and absorb the radiance and then chain yourself up and seal yourself back up and that's the end of the game. Mm. But... That's one of the four endings in the game. Oh. <laughs> Where are the four? There's, that, that's one of the four endings of the game, and that is not the canon ending. Okay. So, the second ending of the game is if you do... That, that ending is what you get if you just only do all of the... Like, if you only break the seal and then go and fight the Hollow Knight, and then the game ends. Mm-hmm. The second ending is if you, like go and find the abyss and do some of like the the dream flashback stuff where you you know see the baby hollow knight and the pale king and flashbacks and stuff like that yeah if you do some of that and you'll you'll meet hornet a couple more times and talk to her when you are fighting the hollow knight hornet will actually help you in the fight so she'll show up while you're fighting the hollow knight and help you and like grab him uh, for a while to restrain him so you can attack him more easily. Uh-huh. If you and Hornet kill the Hollow Knight, what ends up happening is you again absorb the Radiance, 
but now this time when everything gets sealed up, you and Hornet are both trapped in this seal forever. Mm-hmm. And that's the second ending, which is still not canon. The third ending, which is canon, is if you did all that stuff, when Hornet grabs the knight, there's a thing you can do called Dream Nail later mm-hmm. into the game, which is like a charge attack where if you hit someone, you get to like either enter their dreams or read their thoughts. Okay. So when Hornet is restraining the knight, it gives you a chance to hit the knight with a dream nail. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the knight with the dream nail, you go into the dream world and fight the Radiance directly. Okay. So it's a whole, it is, that is the real boss, final boss of the game. And you have to fight the Radiance. Mm-hmm. So you go into the dream and you fight the Radiance. And you uh, end up defeating the Radiance because what, it, what happens is that in part of what you did is you went into the abyss and like gained the ability to control the void. Uh-huh. So once you like are about to defeat the radiance, all of the other vessels who died start surging up from the abyss to fight the radiance along with the hollow knight. And like all of you have shed your actual form now and are just like ghosts made of void. You know how like when you die, you become those little things that are yeah. just like void ghosts with glowing eyes. Yeah. You and the Hollow Knight and all of the other, like, vessels slash siblings burst up from the the abyss to fight the Radiance with you and just completely murder the Radiance. Okay. And you end up dying in the process, and so does the Hollow Knight. But Hornet survives and is not sealed away, and that is the end of the game. So the Radiance is destroyed and, like, for good, and that's the end of the game. That was originally... The canon ending. Oh, dear. Until they added a couple different DLC, like, free DLC updates. Mm-hmm. And the last one they added to the game... Uh, well, the last one they were going to add was going to be a, a, a DLC where you play as Hornet. Yeah. But that actually ended up becoming... Like, it just was so much that they just decided to start making, like, a sequel entirely where you play as Hornet. Yeah. Um, so the last one that came out for Hollow Knight was, it was originally going to be called Gods and Glory, but sent then some stupid mobile game that no one plays sent them a cease and desist because their <laughs> mobile game was called Gods and Glory and they thought everyone was going to get them confused. Mm-hmm. So they renamed it Godmaster. <laughs> Are you ready for things to get even wilder? Uh, sure. There is another... Okay, so in the Godmaster DLC, it added this thing that you can find. If you find a key, you can open it, and out comes this being known as a Godseeker. Okay. Which is like a weird, big, grub kind of thing with a golden mask. Uh-huh. And the Godseeker is part of a different hive mind race known as the Godseekers. And the Godseekers, like, are just a group of a race of beings who their whole purpose is just to find a really powerful God and worship it. Sounds <laughs> That's fun. Their whole purpose. <laughs> um, and they like long before the events of, of anything in hollow Knight, were drawn to hollow nest because they felt both the presence of the pale. They like, they'd sensed that like the pale King, the radiance, the pale lady, uh, Un, the mushroom guy, all of these creatures were in hollow nest and they were like, there's a ton of really powerful gods in hollow nest. We got to go there and find out who's the strongest of the gods so we can worship them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they go to hollow nest, but by the time they get there, everything's just completely fallen apart basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like maybe the pale King locked up 
the one, like the one God seeker who was left alive because he was worried that they might worship the radiance instead of him. Yeah. And if, if the God seekers worship a being that gives them immense power for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So this is where the new true canon ending of the game takes place. <sighs> the knight <laughs> finds these God seeker, the God seeker and goes into the God seekers dream world and enters the hive mind of the God seekers. Okay. And there you f- basically, this is just an excuse for the developers to do a boss rush mode. Mm-hmm where you fight all the bosses in succession with like, and then you can do things where like you can add different challenges to yourself to make the boss fights harder. Yeah. If you do absolutely everything in, in it, um, you have to fight a boss known as the absolute radiance. Okay. Um, which is like the radiance at its full power, like a version of the radiance that is worshiped by the God seekers. Mm -hmm. And if you do this, what ends up happening is that all of the, literally all of the void converges into one giant being uh-huh. known as the God of Gods. Okay. <laughs> it's a giant monster made of void. And it's interesting because if you dream, if you manage to hit the, the absolute radiance with the dream nail while you're fighting it uh-huh. uh, and read its thoughts, like the only thing it says is ancient enemy, okay. which implies that the, that, the void at some point was this giant being of void that was the mortal enemy of the radiance, uh-huh. like light and darkness, you know, yeah. they were mortal enemies. So the, 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 all of the void and all of the void beings become the God of gods and just murder the radiance completely without even having to fight the hollow Knight in the first place. Okay. And so what happens is that all of the, like, the radiance is just obliterated mm-hmm. <laughs> immediately. And um, so the, the, all of the void creatures kind of just die and then return back to the big pool of void at the bottom of the abyss. Yeah. And the God seekers like w- realize that, Oh, you were the person we were searching for. And then the one who's left over dies <laughs> for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, but the, uh, then the very end is Hornets just kind of walking around hollow nest and she sees that like all the glowing orange infection stuff just dies off and is replaced by like void going around yeah and then she like it's kind of cryptic but the last little bit is like a giant sword hitting the ground in front of hornet and then like kind of a body stepping a little bit into frame and hornet turns around and like draws her weapon and then it's the end of the game and it's not entirely clear, but I think it's implied that that creature is the Hollow Knight. Okay. That the Hollow Knight was able to leave the seal. I don't think that he was trying to attack Hornet. I think she was just startled. You know, yeah. she's like, "What?" Um, I think the knight just was like, "Oh, I'm free now." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. The radiance is go is just completely gone, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, so that's the end of Hollow Knight now. Hmm. And there's the sequel coming out sometime soon, hopefully. Interesting. So, what did you think of the story? It's interesting and complicated. Well, it's not necessarily yes. complicated, but. Oh, just wait till you get to blat till I start talking about blasphemous. Oh dear. All right, blasphemous. It's a- another two D Metroidvania game. You ready for me to talk about it? Sure. It. 
came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an indie game. It was kickstarted. Blasphemous takes place in like a kind of middle ages sort of world. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's medieval necessarily, but like there's no technology. There's no guns. I don't even think there are cannons in it really. Yeah. Um, it's just swords and knights and things, you know, peasants and things like that. The story of Blasphemous starts, it doesn't start nearly as far before the events of the game as Hollow Knight does. Yeah. <laughs> but it does start before the events of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think in the world of Blasphemous that there's like a god necessarily, or like it's not, there's obviously not like Christianity or Judaism or anything like that. Yeah. But there seems to be this sense that there is a sort of higher, I think there's like a higher will is what they refer to it as. So they seem to have some idea that there's like, there's some sort of deity or power that controls things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the story begins with this young boy who is no, who becomes known as the twisted one. Uh And the twisted one, he felt he's like a young adult. He felt guilty because he felt like he had committed all these sins and wrongdoings and whatnot. Yeah. So he one day sat down on a log and (laughs) started praying to whatever power there was to punish him. Okay. To bestow pain and punishment upon him so he could be free of his guilt for his his actions. Okay. And this is when uh, an event known as the first miracle happens. Okay. So what happens is the twisted the log that the twisted one sat on starts like growing around and up into him okay. and like turning him into a tree. Okay. And apparently this is like an extremely painful process, but the twisted one like doesn't scream out in pain or, or say anything. Uh-huh. Um, so he starts being turned into this tree. And before he completely turns into a tree, he says the three words, uh, my great, uh, I think is my great guilt, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Um, and so he becomes this tree with three different roots that go up into the, the trunk. And every, like, year, this tree... You know how some trees will, like, leak sap? Yeah. This tree leaks molten gold instead of sap. Okay. (laughs) So this is an event known as the first miracle. And this is when the, the, the higher power in the world, like, has manifested itself. And this higher power... Uh, starts being referred to as the great miracle okay and the great miracle is basically just a power that exists to cause suffering to people fun (laughs) it doesn't really it doesn't really see like they talk about how the great miracle can bless people but it just seems like all it does is make the people suffer okay really and like it's based on this idea that like ancient Catholicism had, because a lot of it uses ancient Catholicism, specifically like ancient Catholicism from Spain. Yeah. And like in that religion, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but there's this idea that like of original sin, that everyone is born guilty and has to redeem themselves. And it used to be that like the way you would redeem yourself was through suffering and pain and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the idea that every person in this world... Oh, by the, by the way, the name of the world that this takes place in is called Custodia. Okay. So the idea that everyone in Custodia, like, 
innately has to suffer in order to like appease the great miracle. Okay. Um, so that's the first miracle. And once, once the first miracle happens and the great miracle has manifested itself, other things start happening. The miracle will just cause suffering upon people in like horrible and grotesque sorts of ways. Okay. Um, an example of this is like, there are these three sisters who are all going to be married off in the game who you meet, who are all going to be married off on the same day uh-huh. and they don't want to be married. So they like hide somewhere and all hold each other. <laughs> but then the miracle decides to like cause all of their hair to start growing incredibly long and their hair encases them in an egg made of hair (laughs) and then the rate the mirror the great i keep wanting to say the radiance the great miracle merges all three of these sisters into one giant grotesque woman with three faces on her head okay yeah uh there's other stuff like the miracle will like just just cause suffering upon people it's very odd um so that goes on for a little bit it's not too bad at this point yeah the miracle kind of does different things around um until the there are three different sects of like their religion in this world Mm -hmm. um the the main one i'll talk about first is called uh the mother of mothers Uh uh-huh which is like the, it's basically the Catholic church. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, an allegory for it. Um, and there's this guy called Escribar, who is basically the Pope. Okay. And he has like a throne that he sits on and where he'll like talk to people or give, you know, sermons or whatever. And Escribar one day gets angry because he feels like the people of Casodia are not bestowing enough suffering upon themselves to appease the rate the I keep wanting to say the radiance <laughs> to appease the great miracle yeah so he picks up his throne and turns it so that its back is facing whoever comes to like talk to him or see him okay um as like a symbolic gesture of turning his back on the people because he thinks that they've turned their back on the great miracle mm-hmm. and he stays in that chair for like several years and refuses to get up okay this he eventually I'd assume. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, uh, over this span of these years, he starts also turning into a tree. Just because? Because the miracle starts turning him into, the great miracle starts turning him into a tree. Okay. So he starts turning into a tree, and once he's fully turned into a tree, he spontaneously bursts into flames. <laughs> and the. Tr- <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> the lore he spontaneously burst into flames and the tree that he became ended up burning for 90 days and 90 nights okay and the, the tree burning left a giant pile of like a mountain of ash underneath the throne that it's now sitting on okay and so i'm not entirely sure why but after Escribar like dies a bunch of people wanted to like become the leader of the mother of mothers. So just hundreds of people started rushing to the church and trying to climb this mountain of ash to sit on the throne. Cause I guess whoever just sat on it next would be in charge. Seems like a good system but, of succession. Yeah. But what happened is none of these people could climb the mountain of ash and they all just ended up getting like consumed by it basically. And like falling into it because it's ash is not a solid substance. Yeah. <laughs> um, and hundreds of people just died inside of this mountain of ash until eventually one day just thousands of screams and yells erupted from the mountain of ash 
And suddenly all of the people who had went into the mountain started coming out as like grotesque warped people or monsters or things like that. Okay. Because the miracle had turned them into these different creatures. Like some of them are examples of like, there's this one weird creature that's like a, it's just like a bloated body with no head that is crouching and holding a platter with Shakespeare's head. And then it sends out like floating Shakespeare heads at you. Okay. (laughs) There's another creature that's like a naked person who imagine if like your head was cut in half or your body was cut in half from the top of your head to your belly button. Uh But then the rest of it was attached just barely. And they like throw crosses at you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's creatures like that weird, like, beings and the idea is that all of these people are still like their minds are still intact inside of their heads but they're just being controlled by the great miracle okay and so there's this idea that like they're constantly experiencing the pain of whatever the miracle has turned them into Uh um and as all these creatures come out escribar returns okay he comes out of the mountain of ash and i'll talk more about like what's up with him and what he beca- he had become. Uh-huh. But Escobar is back and he takes charge of the mother of mothers again. Okay. Uh, and Escobar basically at this point, his whole goal is like he has ushered in. Uh, so the way it works is like the, the twisted one brought like made the miracle appear in the first place. Yeah. And he brought on the first age of the miracle. And now Escobar has brought on the second age of the miracle, which is like even worse than the first age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Escribar, his whole goal is like, this is the way things are meant to be. I am now destined to preserve this, the way things are forever, basically. Okay. okay, so let's talk about the two other sects of religion in this world. Okay. The other sect, uh, this uh, one of the other sects, which is the, uh, the least important of the three, is uh, Our Lady of the Charred Visage. Okay. Uh, this is like a lady, this is like a church run by this nun saint lady who, when she was born, everyone was like, oh, you're really pretty. And as she grew up, she just got prettier and prettier to the point where people started like thinking she was some sort of divine thing. Okay. And she hated that because she, she felt like her her beauty was taking away worship that should have been going to the great miracle. Okay. So she decided to just burn half of her face off. Seems like a reasonable decision to make. <laughs> yes. So she decided to burn half of her face off and the miracle was like, sweet. I uh, approve of this suffering you have done in order to appease me, but I'm going to make it worse still. Okay. So the miracle decides that the wounds, like the the half of her face that's all raw and burned and wounded is never going to heal. Okay. It never heals. And in fact, the miracle decides that like, I don't know if she burned herself with like hot oil or fire or whatever, mm-hmm. but not only is that part of her face not ever going to heal, it's also like constantly going to be smoldering and burning as if she was always burning it. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she does this and it appeases the miracle and she starts wearing like a golden half, half of a golden mask to cover the side of her face that's burnt. Yeah. Um, and she starts this, you know, the Our Lady of the Charred Visage, which is like a, a monastery of nuns who all burn half of their face. But she's the only one, I think, who that half of her face doesn't heal. Uh-huh. 
And I don't think anyone but her knows that her face has never fully healed because uh, all the other people's faces heal. Yeah. And she never shows, she never takes off her mask. So, but yeah, that's like her group of religion, I guess, if you want to call okay. it that. Um, she dies eventually, but the miracle is like, I'm still not done with you. Uh-huh. So after she dies, and then you know how in some video games there are bosses that are like big heads and then floating big heads and then two floating giant hands? Yes. She becomes one of those bosses, basically. Okay. And so the the miracle turns her into a giant floating head and two hands. Except now, like, her mask is melting because of the heat from her face wound. And also she has, like, a giant wound in her brain for some reason. It's not clear why. Okay. But she becomes this big monstrous thing because the miracle's like, haha, I'm going to make you suffer even more. Fun. <laughs> yeah, the miracle's kind of a jerk, if you can't yeah. tell. <laughs> Miracle's not a good person or a good god or power. Okay, so then there's the third and the, again, like, the mother of mothers is important. And this third uh, group called the Brother of the Silent Hood, uh, sorry, the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow. Okay. They are These the all have very cheerful one. names. Yes. Um, the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow is a a different sect of the religion that actually has a pretty different view, it seems, on things than uh, the Mother of Mothers or Our Lady of the Charred Visage. Uh-huh. The Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow more so, like, you know how, like, in, in Catholicism they have, like, saints and they don't worship saints, but they pray to saints? Yeah. It's kind of weird. The, brother of the, the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow uses the Twisted One kind of in that way. Okay. Like, he is the person that they not worship, but use as an example and idolize. And they all take a vow of silence okay. because the, the twisted one didn't, you know, say anything other than my, uh, my great guilt or whatever it was when he was done. Yeah. And um, the, they all wear these helmets that are like, you know how some types of old warrior ma- masks will be like metal and they'll have like a, fa- a metal face on the face part of it. Yeah. Imagine a helmet like that, but then the top of it goes into a big pointy cone. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they're, they're they wear those helmets, and they never take them off, really. Okay. Well, they take them off sometimes, but not not often. And the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow has a perspective on the miracle that's different, in that they believe each age of the miracle has to eventually be brought to an end, mm-hmm. and that like the first age ended. And that this second age will eventually end, which if you're keeping track is the opposite of what Escobar believes. Escobar believes that um, this age of the miracle needs to be upheld at all costs. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow just kind of, they're also seen a bit as like heretics, I think, in the world because they're like, I, I don't, I think people are nicer on the, the mother of mothers because they all like have different like the mother the the lady of our charred vis of the charred visage is not uh like the the twisted one is becomes what's referred to as the father yeah. and then escrobar becomes the second father basically for whatever reason whoever turns into a tree is one of the fathers <laughs> um so that but implies she didn't turn that more people turn into trees yeah. uh well, you'll okay. see <laughs> um but I think the the reason they're seen as like blasphemous or heretics is because they 
by not by taking a vow of silence, they are imitating and imposing on themselves the penance of one of the fathers, mm-hmm. which is viewed as blasphemous. Yeah. So they're not they're not viewed well, but they're a, they're pretty they're a pretty big sect. Like thousands of people are in this brotherhood of the silent yeah. sorrow. Um, is it only and, men? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's entirely men. Okay. Because later, when you see the literal mountains of their corpses, mm-hmm. uh, it's all guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this that's kind of the state of things. This then begins like this. There's a prequel comic to the video game that they mm-hmm. made, and this is like where the prequel comic begins. Escribar starts getting visions that. He doesn't know who, but he sees that one of the members of the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow is going to try and kill him and bring an end to this age of the Great okay. Miracle. And Escobar is like, I can't have that. That's, that's not cool. That's yeah. bad. And so he finds this woman named uh, Cassandra, I believe is her mm-hmm. name. Uh, she is a blind woman who wears a golden suit of armor that looks suspiciously like the armor that the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow wears, yeah. but she's not a member of theirs. Okay. And Cassandra also has been like, she has visions directly from the Great Miracle being like, you have to protect Escobar yeah. and you have to do what he says. So she's like, all right. And Escobar tells her and like his army of followers, just massacre everyone in the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow. Fun. Kill all of them. Because, well, because he doesn't know who of them is going to try and yeah. kill him but he knows one of them is, but they all wear the same helmet. So he can't tell mm. who. So that happens. <laughs> uh, Cassandra and his armies just murder all of the brotherhood of the silent sorrow. It's cheerful. Except for this one guy. Mm. Um, and this one guy ends up being found by some like skeleton dude <laughs> who I don't know what his name is. I forget it. But this skeleton dude brings uh this last member of the brotherhood of the silent sorrow to a place where there's a there's this statue and the story behind the statue is there was this woman who uh, much like the twisted one was praying to uh the great miracle for punishment Mm -hmm. due to guilt that she possessed and she was repeatedly like bashing herself in the chest with this statue of the twisted one okay that had like a, a thick stone you know, square base on the bottom of it. And she was bashing herself in the chest with okay. that square base. And she kept doing that and praying until eventually the miracle caused a, basically the statue turns into a sword and a giant sword blade bursts out from the base of it. And like the, the picture, the image of the twisted one becomes the hilt of this sword and it's, you know, stabs herself in the chest and she dies and becomes a statue. Okay. And this skeleton dude, tells the last member of the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow let like I was told by the miracle that you are important and that if you are really important you will be able to take the sword from the statue and you are going to use it to go and try and kill Escobar. So it's like King Arthur and the sword and, and the stone. Okay. Yes and so <laughs> this guy goes to pull out the sword and he's able okay. to and he pulls out the sword and the skeleton guy renames our nameless hero and calls him the penitent okay. one. Why do none and of them have idea... real names except for Escobar? Cassandra has oh, a real well, name. Yeah. I forgot about her. Um, <laughs> yeah, so 
the penitent one. And if you're noticing some themes, the whole idea is that the penitent one has to take on the burden of the guilt of the world to sacrifice himself to save the world from their guilt and sins. Are you noticing some, yeah. <laughs> some very obvious allusions yeah. here? Yeah, you're, you basically play as, as Jesus, okay. <laughs> essentially. Oh, so you get this sword and you're like, in the, this is still the comic and you're like, sweet, I'm gonna go kill Escobar. Yeah. And you go to kill Escobar and are immediately met by Cassandra. Okay. And she's like, I'm not going to let you do this. And you fight, you, the two of you have a sword fight, even though she's blind and she's still an amazing swordsman for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, and you lose horrifically. Great. <laughs> In fact, she, <laughs> she mortally wounds you and she takes you as you're dying and throws you onto the, like, just massive piles of corpses, like thousands of corpses mm-hmm. from the Brotherhood of the Silent Sorrow. And as you lay there dying, she says, like, if the miracle really wants you to kill Escobar, you're not going to die right now and you'll come back. And if that is the case, I will kill you again later. (laughs) So that's where the comic ends. And then that's where the game begins is you do survive this wound somehow and wake up amongst the just thousands of corpses of your brothers. And you have to defeat this giant, like like a literal giant Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's trying to like kill the last remaining people of the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow. Uh, and you defeat him, you slice open his body with your sword <laughs> so that his blood pours uh-huh. out. You fill your big pointy helmet with his blood and then put it on while it's still full of blood. Okay. And you just kind of do that. Yeah, it's not really clear <laughs> why. I think it might be because the way you regenerate health in this game is you have like these glass vials filled with blood. And the way you regenerate health is by smashing them on your helmet's face and then smearing the blood all over your helmet. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, okay. so you get out of you get out of the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow, and you meet this guy. Uh, I think his name is Dio Gracias, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. He is weird, <laughs> and I don't know what his deal is. He he refers to himself also as a penitent one. Okay, but he's not a member of the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrow because he doesn't wear the helmet, but he does, and he does talk mm-hmm. also. But the hat he wears. It's like a, you know, like Link's hat that he wears? Kind of. The green, like, oh, yeah, cap yeah. that he has with It's like Link's hat, but if it just stood straight up, like the penitent <laughs> yeah. ones. And then his face is covered by, like, a knot of rope that's just on his face. Mm-hmm. And then his hands, his, like, his, uh, his, like, what is it? What's the bit of your arm? Not your forearm, but, like, the, the first joint of your arm. Between your shoulder and your elbow. Do you know what that's your called? Your bicep? Uh, well, kind of. Like, those <laughs> bits are, like, tied r- tightly to his his chest. So he can, like, move his elbows, but he can't move his arms beyond okay. that. Um, his ankles are tied together. And he's, cu- like, always kneeling, basically. So he walks so to he the point where later. Flailing kind of. There are points later. Yeah, there are points later where he's standing, but his knees are, like, like worn literally down to the bone because he's always kneeling just on his mm-hmm. bare knees. Um, and he like is the first person you meet right outside of the brotherhood. And he basically, it's just kind of a way for the game to exposit some lore and tell you, you got to go to this place, this place and this yeah. place. Um, um, but he also gives you this thorn and he says, Hey, put this thorn 
on the bottom of your sword. So when you grab it, it'll constantly stab you. Okay. And you're, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and he says, because if the thorn grows and causes you more pain, that means you're, you're like good in the eyes of the miracle. Okay, then. So your guy does. <laughs> and you're like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, so then you go around the world and fight these three different bosses and gather the three wounds of contrition, mm-hmm. which are like, I, as far as I can tell, they are three symbols of the suffering that Escribar constantly experiences due to what the miracle okay. did to him. Um, so you then get that and go through some more stuff. You find some masks. You kill some more bosses. Um, there's more lore, more people who are suffering that you meet mm-hmm. um there's like a baby a giant baby that you kill at one point <laughs> um uh, yeah there it's weird some of the bosses are weird because like there's uh there's like a a mummy or it's more like a skeleton wrapped in like a thing a mummy kind of thing but you can yeah. see its head and on its head it's like a pope <laughs> thing and it's got a big staff and it's holding up a peace sign, but the skeleton. This what? this boss fight is like my favorite one in the game, actually, because the skeleton, like it can only stab the staff, and uh, that's all it can do. While and kind of rattle its jaw mm-hmm. a little bit, but the boss it, it moves around because it's being held up by all these like just arms coming up from the from the abyss. Okay. And you have to like slash at the arms until they break off, and then you can attack the skeleton's head. And then some of the attacks are just all of these hands smashing up on the floor trying to grab you. Giant hands. Okay. Yeah, and then <laughs> the baby. I don't know the story of that boss, but the story of the behind the baby is that uh, the baby was the child of a mother who was having to die for blasphemy against the great miracle. And so the mother built like a wicker like mannequin mm-hmm. to hold the baby so that the baby wouldn't like think that the mom was dying and then also a blindfold to cover the baby's eyes so it wouldn't see its mom die their mom die but then the baby just got cursed by the miracle so that it grew giant (laughs) and was forever in the arms of this giant wicker mannequin yeah there's a lot of weird stuff in it there's a guy who's like a giant tree monster deer Uh thing who just felt compelled to fall asleep in the he's he was he was a guy but he just felt compelled to fall asleep in the arms of this statue of a saint one day and then the miracles like haha tricked you i made you do that and now i'm turning you into this monster and you're gonna suffer forever Hmm. (laughs) yeah so um this is a very cheerful you kind of get the idea right yeah it's very (laughs) cheerful very happy very very happy go lucky all right now we finally get to the end of the game because if you notice a lot of these games like a lot of the lore happens before and yeah. after because the video game is kind of just the action uh-huh. bit eventually you make it to the end of the game you make it to the mother of mother's church where Escobar is and you are reconfronted by Cassandra and you have a fight with her and you defeat yeah. her this time and she's like kneeling down and you have the, uh, you know, panting from her wounds and you have the option to either leave her or finish Uh her off. If you leave her, that's it. If you, not the end of the game, but if you leave her, you know, she survives. If you try and finish her off, she actually deflects your like killing blow and runs away. So either way, either way she survives. Either way she survives. Yeah. 
um, because I think they're making a sequel where she's going to be the main character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you make it into the the place where Escobar's throne is and where Escobar is, and you meet him, and he reveals himself, and he's like this weird red kind of skeleton-y looking dude wearing a black colored version of a pope's okay. outfit and he has a golden sword okay. also and i think the sword might be made from the gold that came from the tree that uh the twisted mm-hmm. one became because the tree still exists you actually like pass by it on okay. part of the map um and you fight escrivar and he's really easy to defeat something bad you happen beat him you defeat him isn't it well, you defeat him, and he's like, tricked you. That was only my fake form in the real world, and now I'm going to take you to, like, the the afterlife realm where you're going to fight my actual form, which is the true form of suffering that the miracle has bestowed upon me. And that form is a a giant... <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it. Imagine if you... Oh, so, you know, okay, I do know how to describe it. You know how, like, uh, mummies, like yeah. pharaohs, you know how their coffins would be, like, metal golden coffins that were, like, in the shape yeah. of their body? Escrobar is in, like, a giant uh, silver coffin with it adorned with, like, art and stuff okay. like that. And uh, in this world, his sword becomes giant and has a, an eye on it, and you have to hit this sword three times on the eye and then a hatch where his face is opens and you can see Escobar's true form, which is like, the, he's like a, he's, he doesn't even like have skin anymore. <laughs> he's just like blood and flesh and stuff. So he's just this blood and flesh monster constant or person constantly in pain, stuck in this like iron coffin cool. almost. And you have to like slash at his face to damage yeah. him actually. So you defeat him. And then um, you go further into the building and you find the Mountain of Ash with the, the yeah. throne on it. And Dio Gracias is there and he basically says, like, hey, this is your last, you have to go commune with the Holy Miracle. And, like, if the Miracle accepts you, it's going to end this age of penance and bring upon a new one. But if it doesn't, this one's going to last forever, okay. basically. And so. You climb up, the, you start climbing up the mountain and you get consumed by the mountain okay. of ash and become a monster. And Dio Gracias finds your, unburies your helmet from the mountain of ash and puts it on the pile of dead bodies of your brothers. And that age of penance goes on forever. Okay, then. But that's just the first ending uh, of, of the game. <laughs> that's the bad ending. Hey, don't be, don't be, don't, don't worry. This one only okay. has two endings, not four good one and a bad one so that's the bad ending the good ending is uh very much like in hollow knight when you die in hollow knight you know how it leaves behind your ghost or whatever in this it leaves behind a remnant of your guilt and basically what that means is just if you don't go back to where you die and reclaim that you have slightly less magic meter until you do that um but there are certain areas in the world where there are these statues and if you pay some money and pray at the statue it'll basically wipe out whatever you know places you died and had ghosts at and just reset your magic meter okay. to full yeah does that make sense so if you 
Okay. <laughs> this is really stupid. You have partway through the game, you get this item. There are these things you can equip called rosary beads, okay. which are not like real rosary beads. They're basically just stat buffs to your character, like make your defense stronger or your attacks better, yeah. you know, kind of thing. One of them is called like the the bead of perfect purity or something like that. Okay. And um it doesn't it's it literally says it doesn't do anything. Okay. If you equip that and kill your uh, you have to equip that and die 3 times. Each time you die, it will create a new rosary bead in your inventory that is a version of the bead but just slightly more corrupt because as you die, it bestows your guilt upon that okay. bead. And each of these new bead types actually prevents you from accumulating any guilt so your magic meter doesn't your max Capacity for your magic meter doesn't decrease mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> Still <Yeah>. falling. <laughs> Once you do it three times, it transforms into an item known as the Burden of Pure Guilt. Okay. Which is a thing that allows the Penitent One to actually obtain true guilt. Whatever that okay. means. <laughs> so then once you have that item if you go to the places where those statues are that you can pray and get rid of mm -hmm. your guilt if you attack the statues you can destroy them and if you destroy the statues it opens up these portals to little combat mm -hmm. challenges if you destroy all of the stat each time you destroy a statue and complete the combat challenge remember that thorn that I said the Agrasis yeah. gave you it grows okay and so if you complete all of the combat challenges and destroy all of the statues, the, fa the, the burden of true guilt absorbs all of the guilt that, because what it turns out is that those statues were, people were praying at them and it was absorbing the guilt of the world. So you have now absorbed all of the world's guilt, basically. Okay. <laughs> and the thorn eventually becomes just vines that are now like wrapped all around the sword in your hand, digging into your flesh constantly. Good. Yeah. So if you do all of that and then go to the Mother of Mothers and fight Escrobar and kill him, you will be able to climb the Mountain yeah. of Ash successfully. And once you make it up the Mountain of Ash, uh, there's a cutscene that plays where the Penitent One sits down on the throne, stabs himself with his own sword, okay. and then sits there on the throne, racked in pain, as guess he what? He becomes a tree, doesn't he? <laughs> exactly he slowly becomes a tree um and oh i forgot to mention this but uh one of the things that makes the penitent one mm -hmm. special is that all of the other members of the brotherhood of the silent sorrow their vow of silence was just something that yeah. they did they could still speak the penitent one started his vow of silence but then the miracle like accepted it as a thing of penance so it permanently took away his ability okay. to speak that's something I forgot to mention. But yeah, he just sits there silently and in horrible pain and turns into a tree and thus ends like basically the entire age of suffering. All of the monsters go away and people no longer are horrifically tortured or transformed by the miracle mm -hmm. anymore. And the people of Custodia take the throne that he's on and like carry it around the land so people can worship like at his feet basically to his sacrifice for okay. the miracle. And that is the end of the main game, except for a cutscene at the very end that takes place sometime after that happens, I yeah. would assume, where uh, Cassandra shows up again and she says something like, 
uh, I don't know, cursed forever be your name under the heavens. And then it shows her pulling the sword out of the tree that you became. Okay. And that's how the game but ends. That, that's, that doesn't tell you anything. Now you don't know what's... <laughs> exactly. <sighs> oh, the sword's name is Mia Culpa, also I, I mm. forgot to mention. A lot of it's Latin. Like, every time you beat a boss, it, it says Requiem Eternum in big letters on the screen. <laughs> and then when you beat Escobar, it says Summa Blasphemia. Mm. Which I think means like supreme blasphemy. If I'm yeah, mistaken. something like that. I think. So, Jada, what do you think of these two weird retro media games? They sound interesting, and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> do you think that it's from a person who likes to write? Do you think that they're written like that's interesting, well written yeah. wise, or <laughs> just well, yeah? I don't, I don't there's just so much going on Jaina, Jaina, podcasting mm-hmm. tip when I ask you a question you're supposed to say sure and then talk but more I don't know what else to <laughs> say. Just, yeah. they, they sound cool um, whoever, whoever wrote them is very creative and weird do you have any questions about specific things uh, about like, either game I don't know <laughs> all right well i suppose that's it then thank you for joining You're me welcome. Jaina. thank you whoever for listening to this hopefully there will be more episodes in the future yeah. hopefully i'm working on some more stuff <all right goodbye everyone bye bye